0: Solo, 7, 7, 7, 8, 9, 9, 9, 10, 10, 11,
1: 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, dietro, 16, 17, 18,
2: Welcome back to the All UV Cast channel, of course, where it's all UV all the time. We're coming off the Derby de la Mola victory 1 0 against Torino. And we got Omar and we've got Crimson Chin Lucci. Lou, how is the going? Um, Omar and I obviously spoke yesterday and whatnot, but we haven't seen Lou for a bit. How's it going now?
0: Dude, everything's good. Life's been busy. Uh, A good distraction from the current Juventus debacle, although we did get a win yesterday. So, you know, I'm a happy man. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's all that
2: counts Uh, is that you're doing well, you're happy. That's the main thing. The victory we're going to get into against uh, Torino. We're going to get some uh, thoughts. We're going to say hi to uh, some in the live chat here. Michael Razzo coming in here. Ciao, Juventini. Uh, Vito, good morning, fellas. Jeremiah, guys. Really hope Max and the players build on this win. Want Fagioli and Sule to start in place of Cuadrado and McKinney next game. We are specifically going to talk about... Uh, What something I noticed I want to bring up, and it's in regards to the young players and what happened uh, yesterday. So we're definitely going to get into that. And Jeremiah was the first call-in guest at halftime of the Watch Along and did a fantastic job. So big, big props to uh, Jeremiah. And then, of course, there was Iman as well, who was the second. So we're going to look to build off that. Uh, We're not at the point where we think we're going to do it on podcast episodes but we might actually start running some call-in sessions and it might just be me solo and you guys get an uh, open platform to come in and share your thoughts but it's good stuff and uh, I'm happy and excited to get all of you way more involved all right now quick bit of business before we get to the match fellas Anyone that's tuning in on your audio, let's get over to YouTube, okay? Subscribe to the channel. That's where you get the daily update videos, okay? And um, all the extra stuff, the match day lives, the watch alongs, okay? So make sure you head over and subscribe. Um, Lou hasn't been here uh, for a bit, but uh, every time he's here, I make sure that we show some love for the incredible amount of work, These two guys, Omar and Lou, are pretty much the ones that spearhead the news from the Twitter feed. So you guys are massive and especially, uh, Lou. So uh, massive, massive props and credit to you. So thank you for everything you do on that front, Lou.
0: Now... I just, I'm here just to make your 60-second news videos just miserable. That's, that, that's yeah,
2: my- this week was a tough one. Holy smokes. What was that, Thursday? Thursday yeah. or Friday. There was so much news. And now, obviously, with the 60-second news things on TikTok and Instagram or whatnot, yeah, that one was interesting. I just remember waking up and just checking the notifications like, oh, my God, what's happening today? That was funny. My Twitter app yeah.
0: crashed on Thursday. That's how many reports came out. So,
2: <laughs> oh man, unbelievable. Now, Jeremiah, thanks, guys. Great experience on Live Collins. It's awesome. We look forward to many, many more. Now, we've got one more comment before we get to this game. Michael Raza, it looks like the players do hate Allegri. I don't mind because it looks like it's bringing the players closer together. So that's an interesting way to look at it is uh, everybody's shared frustrations and Max bringing and uniting the players together. So we're we're going to get into it. And then Moise Keane. We'll talk about uh, Moise Keane too. So, guys, the game uh, leading up to it, obviously Omar and I were doing the match day live. Uh, so we'll get maybe – a little bit of uh, news headlines here before we get lineups, everything like that. Basically, as far as news to date, there's not a whole lot going on. Pogba will resume team training starting next week. Um, we've got fingers crossed still for Chiesa that the Empoli match is where he can get uh, some minutes. Um, the retreat is over after the result yesterday. Not only that, but he gave the team, uh, Max gave the team the date off today. Does anybody feel like maybe that's a little bit much? Like, I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, okay, end the retreat, but go back to work. Like, we still got yeah. work to do.
0: <laughs> I was, I was a little surprised by that.
2: <laughs> yeah, we still, <laughs> we still got work to do based yeah. on this performance. Like, I mean, let's not get crazy here, but, anyways, thought that was funny. Bremer, so Bremer obviously uh, is one we're gonna all have eyes on. Evaluations will happen today. We've been getting mixed reports. One was saying that. The initial uh, thoughts were not very good. And then today I heard the opposite, that uh, they feel pretty confident that they got him out just in time before making it pretty bad. So uh, we wait for evaluations regardless. So we have to just wait and see. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same as being here. Day off already. We'll see. So lineups, Chesney. We had uh, Danilo, Bremer, Sandro making up your three center backs. Quadrado, McKenny, Locatelli, Rabia, and Kostic across the middle with Keane and Vlaovic up top. Omar and I gave our thoughts on the roster. I mean, I would have liked to see just maybe one variation in the middle, but outside of that, there were a lot of shouts. Hey, we have center backs. You've got uh, Danilo and Sandro on both sides of Bremer. Like, why not use Agati? I want to get Lou's thoughts on this lineup as we headed into this match.
0: Uh, you know, for me, I was looking for maybe some sort of change, like a big call, something that, you know, we weren't expecting, not the usual. And as good as Milik's been, I thought that, you know, playing Keane, who's not very good or hasn't been very good, was a big call. It showed, Hey, maybe I have an idea here. Keane's a little bit more dynamic and plays a little bit as a center forward. So that was interesting. Dropping Bonucci was a big call. I think that just, you know, while I would like to see Gatti or even like a Rugani playing that back three, I think Allegra just went with, all right, what's my safest bet? And that's kind of what he went with. Um, you know, the midfield, I was okay with it. I mean, obviously we all know my thoughts on number 25, but, you know, I can live with <laughs> it. Um, I just thought that McKinney in there, I know he's been unpopular due to his form. You just need someone that could give you something offensively in that midfield, and he's really the only guy who has that capability. So um, I didn't have too much complaints about the lineup Uh was happy to see a three-five-two, and you know, dropping Bonucci, your captain in a derby is a big call. So, yeah.
2: And I kind of said that in the watch along. I said if there's ever been kind of like that sign of the times, or kind of where we're at <laughs> right now, I don't think there's a bigger one than a derby de la Mola and Juve benching their captain. Yeah. Like, that kind of really shows you where we're at
1: at the moment, right? Um, it's, it's, a sign. it's a sign of where captain. we're at. Omar? Yeah, I kind of hope they bench the other captain, uh, the one who was actually on the field. Yeah. But it, it's sort of a big call, but I, I'm fine with it. Like, Bonucci hasn't been anywhere near what you come to expect from him, especially this season, but it also started last season. Yeah. Um, Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a sign of things to come. Maybe Bonucci is not in the plans. Like Chiellini wasn't the starter and still was the main captain for a long time. Maybe Bonucci is taking the same route. I mean, it could yeah, also be I, one of those things where, like, we talk about this a lot
0: about lacking leadership. Um, you know, Bonucci, whether we like it or not, is the captain, right? But you know, Bucci is older. Right? I think he's 35, 36. So who is next in line? Who's that next guy? Maybe this is Allegra being like, Hey, the squad, like, you know, our captain is not going to be here forever. Like who can step up in that role? It's kind of like, you know, like, uh, obviously the Derby is a big call to do that, but it's, it's kind of like, what's these next guys, the Danilos, the Chesneys, that next group of veterans, like, all right, it's yours. Like, you know, like, What can you do? Maybe it's maybe it's like a little, like you said, side of the times, like a little bit of a transition, you know, see what I got here. It's it's
2: one of those things. This is the reason why usually and every time I say it, you know, you get those people out there now that just say it's just an R band. You're just wearing an R band. Nobody cares about who the captain is, but that's I don't buy that. And Quadrado wearing the armband like okay, you've got the caps, but that doesn't mean you're the captain. He doesn't lead us on the pitch and his play is anything but leading by example. So for me, it is a big deal and it needs to be the right guy. And Benucci, you know, obviously he's got history. He's part of the one of the best defenses we've, you know, ever seen, and whatnot. But again, at the current moment in time, like, it's that next step and it's ushering that next wave and who takes it when not to be honest, this is just me, but the guy that played like a captain was probably Danilo. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, um, Danilo played like a captain for me. And as much as people don't like it and they lose their mind with whatever he says in his post-game interviews and they just, because he's not of the quality that everybody wants. But the thing is, the one thing nobody, absolutely nobody can take away from Danilo is the fact that he gives you 110% of everything like he is made of. Every time he's on the pitch, whether he's to the quality we want or not. And I'm saying this like the rest of the players, how many other players can you say throughout this period of time have given a hundred to 10% of what they have and what they are made of. Nobody has done it. Nobody's come even close to as consistent as Danilo has with giving everything they have to the cause. And People just continue because he's not to the quality that they want. But I'm telling you, this team would be in a hell of a lot better shape if we had the just the effort and work rate and determination and that mindset consistently. We would already be in a better place. And we're going to get to that in the game yesterday because we had that, but then you see the shortcomings of where I feel the system and gameplay Mm -hmm. come into it. But what do you guys feel about that and the captaincy and – Danilo and stuff like
0: I just want to say, that, you know, the, the captaincy. Uh sorry to cut Elmar off if you were to say something, oh. but you know, that on the captaincy, it is important for Juventus. I mean, look down through history. You know, you go all the way back to Antonio Conte. You know, this is a big person Juventus history was captain. Del Piero, captain, Buffon, captain, Kellini, captain. These aren't just, you know, average players. These are great players in the history of Italian football. These are you know, icons and legends for the club. So the captaincy, it does mean something at Juventus. It is a big kind of shoes to fill, right? Um, and it's important. You Those guys are, you know, examples for the club to live by, right? So it is important to have your captain. Uh, on Danilo, you know, whatever you say about him as a footballer, when we have shocking losses, Monza, Macabre, who's the guy who faces the music? It's always Danilo. Yeah. Danilo is always the first one on that podium, you know, Doing the difficult thing, which is apologize to the fans, you know, speak after a loss like that for your squad. That is a captain to me. And I think that, you know, you hear it a little bit um in some of the interviews that some of the players will say, Hey, like, you know, if I'm playing in front of him, he's telling me I got your back, you know, things like that. That is that is leadership. You know, and obviously, you know, whether you think Danilo is the world's best right back or not, you know, for the current phase, this moment, that's the best you have right so you need to you need to make do with the leadership you have and then as as you go forward you know build off of that
2: absolutely
1: absolutely omar anything to add yeah i i think captaincy leadership as a whole is not that straightforward like there are other types of leaders and you gotta choose your one based on the criteria you want for the team now when they had the, the, the group hug at the end of the game, it was Bonucci who stood in the middle, and I don't know what he said, but he did talk. And, like, I, we saw him on the documentary, The All or Nothing, uh, the way he behaves behind the and how miles different it was from how Chiellini acts as a captain, I don't like the Bonucci type of guy and captains don't have to be all the same del Piero was nothing like conte in terms of personality and conte was nothing like viali in terms of personality conte wasn't considered you know one of the best in the world he in you know in the as midfielders go in the 90s but he did have what you were looking for and needing at that specific moment but it's different times of football everyone had that type of captain back then and I read some interesting interview with John Terry about what he had to go through to become a Chelsea starter and what it is now today. And the game has shifted a lot. I don't think Bonucci is the type of captain Juven needs right now. And uh, Danilo looks like a much more, let's say, friendly guy. I think the team likes him more. Bonucci is the guy you hate but do what he says. Danilo is the guy you do what he says because you respect him and you don't want to fail him. Same as Buffon. No one wants to fail Buffon. No defender, no attacker. And it you can see it affecting the players. He's infectious in his attitude. Bonucci isn't. That's why I think he's not the right guy. And Danilo is miles above him.
2: Yeah. There you go. There you go. And I'm sure we could potentially get back into it as we get later on and whatnot. But let's go over highlights of the match we'll talk about the match itself and then we'll get to uh the aftermath and everything like it so basically um game uh fires away we got torino with uh the earliest chance and that was red there but with a shot that ends up going wide then we get some pressure from uh juve i thought the first half was pretty good it was a little bit back and forth and went on and juve hits a decent little wave quadrado cutting off a pass finds Keen, who finds Vlaovic, who then makes a nice sharp cut in the area. But uh, Milinkovic-Savage comes out very, very quickly, makes himself big, stops Vlaovic there. We maintain the possession. It ends up finding Locatelli, who hammers it. And it was starting to swerve, but not enough uh, to fool uh, Savage, who makes the save. And then we still maintain the pressure. Rabiot ends up chesting this thing into a volley that started to swerve as well but not enough to fool Savage. Uh, so the keeper coming up big there for Torino and uh, a good wave there from uh, Juventus. We kind of wrap up the half with quadrado getting another opportunity to cut in Weston McKenney way out on the right flank. Uh, he had him there quad used him as a decoy cuts in, takes a left footed shot, but um, not super threatening and goes wide. We kind of end halftime there. Juve with 52% possession, uh, both teams had five attempts, but Juve had four on target and the only big chance of the half. And that fell to Vlaovic. Um, I've been saying on Vlaovic, he gets quite a few opportunities that I expect a big guy like him to uh, bury, especially if you're going to be the main nine. This one, I gave him a little bit of slack because uh, Savage got out so fast. Like he got out so fast and uh, there was little time when Vlaovic made that cut to either decide, Hey, I'm poking it forward to try and go it around this keeper. I'm going to try and hit my spot. And uh, he tried and he barely got his wrist or something like that. So is what it is. Um, But the halftime, I thought uh, I was okay with a half. I thought it was good effort, good work rate. I thought we were playing uh, solid. Um, I just, uh, again, we came out with the majority of uh, the opportunities on target. The only one big chance. We rendered torino pretty toothless for that first half so i was okay with it for me eyes were going to be on the second half were we going to have a drop off were we going to fall flat on our face because that's what we've seen a lot of juve one good half of football what were we going to do in the second so i was okay with the first half of football guys your thoughts on the first half um I omar you can kick us off on this and we'll get to uh lou
1: you cover you covered most of it. Um, we didn't have any chances up until I, what was the 33rd minute, and then we had like three in less than a minute. Yeah. Uh, was the Lucatelli bouncing shot in the first half or the second half? That's the second half. Second half, okay. I, I got to give credit to Milinkovic Savic. The guy is huge. When he came out to Vlahovic, he closes you know, almost everything. It's almost impossible to get by him because he's really a massive dude. And so he did good work there. It's not like Vlahovic wasn't good enough. Uh, I liked the turn, freeing himself up. A different keeper might not have stopped it. And uh, The rest was, felt pretty drab for me, the rest of the half. But we weren't as bad as we were in the past few games. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Torino are not that good. Maybe they're missing a striker and they didn't have any opportunities. But I felt it could get better. Like we need to do a bit more and push them a bit harder because they're really toothless.
2: Yeah. Yeah. um, Lou, first half.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with kind of what Omar was saying. I think Malikovic Savage, credit to him, kept that nil-nil. Um, the first 20 to 25 minutes was was rough. Uh and from both sides, you know, a lot of kicking each other, lots yeah. of sloppy passes from Juventus, you know, kind of those things where you're like scratching your head, like how, how could they do that? But what I was really impressed with was the energy never dipped off. It looked like after those first 25, you know, the team as a whole, and I think unity is a big thing we'll talk about with this match, you know, kept pushing, you know, eventually started creating chances and grew into that half. So, you know, going to halftime, they had momentum. And, you know, while I was unhappy and ended nil-nil, you know, at half, uh, I can't really complain about the first half too much. You know, I thought I was impressed with how Juventus – Kind of grew into that. That's something we don't really see from them, especially this year.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, guys, uh, great coverage first half. Uh, you're right. Omar uh, hit the nail on the head. That was like uh, Lou was saying too. Kg at the start, uh, not a bunch, and then Juve. Yeah, it was like 28 minutes before we it no attempts for Juve at that point, and then all of a sudden it just switched on. Right. So again second half what was going to come what kind of uh uv we're going to see second half vlahovic um finds uh, kostic his cross in is cleared by torino unfortunately um so yeah we're trying to get it in sorry kostic cross trying to find uh, Vlaovic getting uh, cut off. There was a lot of crosses that continue to get cut off of Kostic. There are opportunities. I think he can hit it on the one time, and sometimes he doesn't. It's funny enough that on uh, one of these instances we're going to talk about is the next one. A great through ball from, I believe it was Quadrado, that ended up finding himself on the left side for Kostic. It's deep on the byline, and I'm screaming on the watch along, like, one time this thing, like, cross it in quick. He stops it up. But he does find the trailing run. It was Vlaovic that dropped back as the trailer. Vlaovic gets it all wrong. And it just dribbles across the area. Gets cleared out. And Locatelli hits a beautiful volley. And he hammers this thing into the ground. It's bouncing up. I'm like, this is in. And uh, Malinkovic-Savage with another uh, forced to make another really, really good stop. And uh, about a, I don't even know, six inches further left and that's in the net um, from Locatelli Um, we will talk about Locatelli after um, once we get through the rest of the highlights but yeah another good stop by uh, Savage there then you have uh, at the other end Torino in the second half I thought was starting to create us a little bit of uh, issues and then Vlasic ends up finding some space where our defense seemed to just be way too dropped off and uh we were just allowing them space at the top of the area and i was like "Well, you got to close that down boys and we started to do that quite a bit and vlasic ends up getting an opportunity it's stopped by tech rather easily thankfully then you have lazaro who started to give quadrado some serious issues on the left side and he beats him uh down low once his Uh, cross in, ends up hitting Danilo, deflecting short side, and Tech had to be sharp on that one. Um, Fortunate we didn't come away uh, being punished. Then you get a fast break for Juventus. Kostic, he finds Moise Keen and Keen literally pops his thing straight ahead of him when he's not even running in line with goal. For me, you've got to know where the number one thing for anybody playing as a striker, you need to know where target is. And that one, if he's right footed, which he is, and he can't seem to direct it that way, then you have to have the wherewithal to stop it right footed, hit it left or something, but you can't just slash at it for the sake of slashing at it. Like that was just a frustrating one. And Kostic. Yeah, he went off and then you saw Vlaovic run over put his arm around Keen and just give the thumbs up to Kostic and say, Hey, it's cool. Let's move on. Right. And I thought that was big of Vlaovic and a different change in attitude from Vlaovic in this game, but we'll talk about that after the match too. But guys, keen has got to know where target is. It's
0: a one job. I mean, that's, that's one of those where you uh, take your phone and throw it through the TV kind of misses, you know, you just like, Oh, what what i had to say when he missed that it should not be repeated on youtube for any kids that are watching but oh man that
2: was a that was a frustrating one i felt uh, kostic's pain on that one but again the positive was seeing uh, Vlaovic pick his teammate up where i think yes. in games prior he probably wouldn't have done that mm-hmm. if i'm uh you know just speculation of course but i don't think in the matches leading up to it i think it would have been a different reaction from those involved so again Unfortunate for Keane, but some positive out of it, right? Then you have Kostic with a cross in. Vlaovic finding space, heads it, and another big save by Savage, okay? Diving uh, to stop this header. Goes out for a corner kick on the watch along. I literally say, this is it, everybody, okay? I hit the the tune. We get the crowd chance going, so this is where Juve is going to score. Danilo gets to it. Okay, heads it back post and Vlaovic storms in there and hammers this thing in there. Okay. One-nil Juve. The rest of the match, Juve essentially survives. Okay. We clean it up. It's rather clean in uh, maintaining this. I did think Juve was playing with fire towards the end because I was saying, let's get some fresher legs. We only saw a couple changes, and that was Bremer being changed due to injury. Okay, that part was unfortunate. Benucci coming in. And then you didn't see another one till later on when Keane gets substituted for Milik. And then you don't get another one until 90th minute, which was Paredes. And the whole time from about 65 minutes on, you could really see the legs uh, of the midfielders being tested. And McKinney, I thought was prime candidate for getting a substitution. Um even Cuadrado, to be honest. Uh, but Cuadrado, I will say this, as frustrating as he was offensively for me, defensively, he faced every wave Torino had because they literally were running at him through Redonich, through Lazaro, and then when uh, Kamul uh, they were Come all up. running down Cuadrado's side. And he did well and held up His end defensively, but offensively, I cannot defend the struggles that continue there. But defensively, at least he was sound. Um, I thought Max played with fire for a bit there, but all in all, uh, Torino did have a better second half. Juve got the job done. Ultimately, that's all we needed. This one, you got to get this win um, and then build off of that. What are the positives we take out of it? Let's get your guys's overview on the whole match and then we'll get into the aftermath. Okay. So, wrap up full game, your thoughts, positives, anything to build off and move forward with. Uh, Lou, kick us off on this one.
0: Um, yes. Yeah, so I think the big theme with this match for me is unity. You know, and I think that, you know, when you watch this performance, it was a lot of team spirit. You know, it's not the greatest performance, it's not a world beating one, but it is the Derby. You did get your three points. And I think that, you know, like we were saying in the first half, you could see a little bit of a step forward towards the end of the first half. You've this came out in the second half, despite the injury of the Bremer, you know, and kept playing with that spirit, that mentality. They got, you know, caustic more involved. I thought the flanks in the second half, particularly really well involved. You know, they were getting crosses in, they're creating chances. Um, you know, the, just the little things I thought, and this is something I think we'll eventually touch on, but you know, kind of the spirit of the players, players like Vlaovic stepping up, you know, kind of urging his teammates on, you know, not dropping his head when he misses chances. You know, this was a very patient Juventus who, when they saw their chance, got it, you know, and really fought for it. And to me, that's really important because we haven't seen that very much this year. So, you know, unity is kind of the big one going forward. And you know, for what you want to say about Max and the tactics, were they perfect? No, but to be fair, I do think he got most of this one, right. I think like the, The setup and the lineup was the right idea. Um, You know, maybe the execution wasn't fully there, but I don't think we can expect too much for only two days since Maccabre, you know, so. um,
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, and we're going to get in, we're going to get into tactics and everything like that, but unity is big. And I think we all saw um, a team that was at least uh, united for this one. It'll be interesting to see if we can, carry forth in that manner and if the attitude stays the same and if it changes with results too right because we just we got to be ready for that omar your uh, overview on this match before we get into all the aftermath
1: yeah you always say a tale of two halves well not in this case usually you uh, when teams pick it up a notch in the second half you uh, crumble sit back and kind of ends their game this time both teams picked it up, and in the second half, it was a better game, more open game, and Juve didn't crumble, didn't fall back, they stuck to their guns and to their plan, and that's refreshing to see, some frustrations, the main one with the subs, I mean, come on, these guys are playing every three days, just landed, went into Retiro, give them a bit of a rest, like at the expense of not conceding, I'm not saying switch all the front line to look for more goals, but the 89th minute to bring in the first midfielder, that's just, I don't know. I, I was super angry with that during the game. Quadrado frustrating. The rest, that there are some positives. Uh, I think Sandro was good as the outside CB on the left, better than he is as a fullback. And Danilo was fine. Even Bonucci did well when he came on. And the midfield, okay, we'll discuss it later maybe. But overall, it wasn't bad. It wasn't glamorous. But a derby win is a derby win. And I'll always take it no matter what the score is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, everybody... Let's take
2: the time to uh, like the video while you're here, okay? And, uh, of course, if you're new here, subscribe to the channel. But let's get to Man of the Match. We're going to get everyone's Man of the Match, and we're going to talk a little (laughs) bit about the performance of players in this one. And this will, I'm sure, segue perfectly into the next phase of uh, the aftermath. But real quick, we're going to get to Man of the Match. And, Omar, who is your Man of the Match in this one? Milenkovic Savic.
1: Obviously. It's no, I, I mean, that if you count both teams, yeah, he's the reason. Juve <laughs> no, didn't fair. score three goals. But for Juve, I'd give it to Kostic. To Kostic? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I think he's done his job. You whipped in tons of crosses, created opportunities and... Uh, what what we were missing basically and I was happy with his performance. He never stopped running, dropped back to defense, went back up. He's pretty fast, faster than I thought he was watching Frankfurt, but he had a good game. He had a really good game. Yeah. For the um, um for the sake Lou, of you, different, I'm picking Vlaovic, Vlaovic. Yeah. All Serbians. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna
2: be honest here. Um I thought Vlaovic was pretty frustrating for me in the first half from his touch and his like it looked like he was fighting the ball for much of that game his attitude and stuff was great throughout it all and stuff but I'm not going to lie there was quite a bit of that match where Keen was you know believe it or not like for me just watching that thing he was like working just as hard of it uh, as uh, Vlaovic and he was doing quite well I mean Vlaovic's one opportunity clear-cut comes from uh, Keane, hitting the space the second Quadrado intercepts that pass and then finding Vlaovic there. Like Keane is on a couple good cameos coming into that one, and then he was working really, really hard yesterday, and he did well. The second that he missed that opportunity, though, because there was a point leading up to that where I'm like, if you're going to make a change, I go – if you're bringing Millic in, I go, I don't know. For me, Vlaovic was fighting the ball for much of that game. And even if we look at uh, leading up to some of these op- other opportunities, Kostic, when he stops on that cross, he ends up slotting it. It's rolling on the carpet, and Vlaovic doesn't even connect with it, okay? Mm-hmm. He totally flubs that thing. If that thing gets cleared out completely, Locatelli ends up getting to it and volling it in. But if we just clear that out, I'm like, Man, I don't know. Vlaovic had a lot of frustrations for me, although he ultimately got us over the line. Um, Danilo for me, man of the match, because it was steady the whole game through. Um, Yeah, I think uh, I would go with Danilo. Vlaovic, though, that goal at the end, and then all the positives we talked about, even through the struggles, his attitude never changed. So that's why, yeah, Vlaovic or Danilo are the two for me. But I saw struggles throughout with Flauvić that I, leads me to go to Danilo. I, great, sure. great uh, result, anyways. We needed to get the win. I mean, Jesus, if we would have topped onto the mess right now, a Derby de la Mola loss, my God. So we got the victory. It's all good. Now, man of the match is out of the way. Before we get to other player performances outside of uh, the guys we just spoke about, AJC tweet of the match we got to talk about the AJC tweet of the match, okay? And we've got a new winner. And usually sometimes there's, you know, guys that you can pull in and we have to put it to vote here. It was unanimous, I think, this uh, this particular match, right, Lou? Like, this was unanimous.
0: Yeah, it's,
2: it's an easy one. It's, a, it's an easy one for AJC tweet of the match this game around. And it's right here, coming from none other than uh, Tony, Mr. Art Vandelay. Keen with a more aggressive first touch than a boy at prom, and there you have it, folks. That is your AJC tweet of the match for the Derby de la Mola. That was uh, <laughs> that was good laughs right there. So uh, yeah, credit to uh, Tony there, and we'll throw that out on Twitter as well. I thought I had a good laugh over that one. That was gold.
0: <laughs> I think I think multiple people sent that into our group message and was like, "This is the tweet of the match," like at different times throughout the day. Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah that was the uh, that was good laugh. Now let's get to uh, outside performances. Locatelli continues to get a lot of flack uh, social media whatnot from Juventini. I want to get both of your thoughts on Locatelli's match and how you viewed him in it and how he did. So uh who wants to kick us off on Locatelli's performance? Omar fire away
1: I I think he grew into the match. Like He looked very, uh, let's say, not trusting himself enough to try things, just going for the easy option most of the time. When he did try it, then it was either too far or too close. But as soon as he got that few shots on target uh, from outside the area, his confidence grew and he looked more comfortable, and suddenly he was in the right positions all the time, first to almost all of the rebounds from the area. So by the end of the match, I'd call that a good performance. Like the first 30 minutes weren't fine, and then he picked it up. So no issues. Like compared to the last uh, games he had, this was a far better one.
2: There's... Obviously, the rumors swirling around that Locatelli and McKinney, uh, you know, could be moving away and the club could use them to get money. Omar, sell or keep Locatelli?
1: Keep,
2: 100%. All right. All right. Um Lou, your evaluation of Locatelli in that match
0: and uh, keep
2: or sell?
0: Well, to start with your first question, in the match, I thought Locatelli had a Good game. You know, not like he wasn't mad at the match, but he wasn't bad. You know, he wasn't as bad as he has been at times for this season. I think that Juventini last year got this really crazy idea that Locatelli is like a number eight or a number six. Like he's gonna do what Kadira used to do for us, which is play box to box, get into the box and score a lot of goals. It, and I think it's because of the Euro with Switzerland. That has never been Locatelli's game, you know, we've discussed this. He's more of a double pivot, you know. Um, He's good at cleaning things up. He'll be like that midfielder that's first in line to the defense to protect you. He likes to make those trailing runs. We saw a couple of them where he's like at the edge of the box. and He's getting shots on goal. That's what Locatelli does really good. He's good with the ball at his feet. You know, he's good at switching the play, but he's not going to like be Andrea Pirlo or Sammy Kadira when he was with us. I think that Juventini associated that because they saw the year and they were like, yeah, one off, like he could play a It's like, that's not him. So You know, to kind of come around, I would keep Locatelli. I think that he will get better as the season goes on. I think, you know, last year he came off an injury. We reported before that he's not 100% healthy. I think that's why Allegra sat him the first time, whether that's true or not. You know, I from the reports that we reported, I think it is true that he was dealing with something. You know, I just think that, you know, Allegra has, you know, he's done a lot wrong, but I think he's been kind of smart with Locatelli, which is, you know, keep him to the side a little bit, let him, you know, recover mentally. And um, I thought he played pretty well. And I yeah. would. Keep him. He's yeah. also
2: about to become a father. So congratulations to Manuel Locatelli out there. Okay. Yeah, um, that's fantastic news for him and maybe something that's been on his mind or whatnot. But uh, listen, uh, for me, Locatelli, he had a good game. Um, and I'm going to use this to start to get into my next uh, thing that I wanted to talk about, which is, separating the system struggles from the player struggles okay so there's no doubt that there's shortcomings in players like quadrado and mckenny and whatnot but not all of it is on the players and when we talk about locatelli i specifically say is he capable of switching field quick making long-range pass and whatnot yeah and he actually did several times in this match yesterday springing Kostic for opportunities that we were getting that crazy header that led to the corner kick that switch field came from Locatelli that mm-hmm. found Kostic a wide there and did that. So he's capable of doing all this, but if your system doesn't create the opportunities for those players to make those passes and do that, it's not going to amount to much. You can put whoever you want in all these positions But if there's people not making the runs, if there's people not attacking the space and you don't know how you're going to create those, it really doesn't matter. Now I'm going to get into everything else. As far as Locatelli, for me, he had a good game. He had a really good game. He, um, he finishes with uh, the most touches out of the midfield as he should being that 68 touches. His passing percentage in the first half, he had quite a few Aaron passes, but again, The first 25 minutes to 30 minutes of this game were cagey. And that's where a lot of his missed passes were. It was just sloppy and cagey from both teams. And it was like a dogfight. And that's usually what happens in these for a good session before it can kind of open up. But as far as uh, shots on target, he took two shots. They were both on target. And this is another thing that can't be understated. We need our midfielders when they're in those areas to shoot the damn ball. Stop trying to get Q with it. Stop worrying about feeding Vlaovic and doing all this. If you have a line of sight to goal, have a hit. Rabiot did that. Locatelli did it on a couple scenarios. That's positive. Kostic, I think, gets in opportunities to do that, and he's hesitant. Shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. I'll, I'll never give somebody flack for shooting the ball unless they're like, Thirty-five out or something, and they're just like seeing their names in the stars or something. It's like slow down.
0: Occasional Bonucci forty-yard rocket <laughs> attempts once a year.
2: <laughs> Ground duels, he was three out of five, and aerial duels, he was three for three. Uh, Locatelli had a good game. Some vital interceptions as he made two interceptions that were deep in our uh, area that were huge as well. He had a good game, uh, but now let's get into systems and stuff because, again. Quadrado, I was saying, defensively, did his job. Offensively, everybody's like, but the Aaron passes, the blind passes. This is where I'm going to get into system, okay? Weston McKennie, Weston McKinney, our third midfielder out of the bunch with Rabiot and Locatelli, touches the ball 31 times in 90 minutes. Our third central midfielder, everybody, touches the ball 31 times. That's not good enough. If you look at him positionally, and this happened to everybody, and it's happened all season, and I continue to talk about it, positionally we are a mess. And when you get to um, McKenny and whatnot, none of it makes sense. Yesterday I saw him way out left all of a sudden, randomly, And sometimes I saw Locatelli behind our defenders. I saw Locatelli on the left flank with Sandro in the center of the pitch. And I'm like, keep it simple. Get you guys into your positions and work from that. Every time Quadrado gets the ball on the right flank and you can take Quadrado out of there, enter somebody else into that position, they will not have an outlet because – For whatever reason, McKenny explodes up the field and we have no option there to hit. Our midfielders barely even connect with one another in passes or schemes. We are so one dimensional on the flanks. And McKenny, I can't see how a player would do this on his own if a coach shut that down. But to not offer an outlet for your flank makes no sense you get your position there your central midfielder that plays that right side should be there to be an option so that when Cuadrado gets a ball he can either okay i'm going to put it up ahead to our forwards or i'm going to go inside to mckinney or i'm going to go back to my defender or beyond that to the keeper he never has anything directly inside to the center unless he's got a line to locatelli or paredes and it's just not good enough Max, there's no way a coaching staff, when they do their video reviews, cannot see that. And I've been pointing it out forever. We just use those side guys and they just abandon our Regista, whoever it is, Paredes, Locatelli. Like our midfield does not play as a unit. And that's a big, big problem. And it does affect the other players as well. Do you guys notice that? What are your thoughts on that and everything? So there are... Players struggles. Don't get me wrong. McKinney has a lot of faults, but systematically, we are not helping our players that are struggling.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see us using the the dead space. I I look at the match a lot of times, and let's say, for example, when Kostic is on the left, and everyone work, run into the area, but but there's a huge gap huge dead space outside of the area where no one is occupying. and Someone should be there. Someone should be an option. And it's not only when we attack, we just have a lot of dead space in midfield because Loka drops back and two other guys run forward. Now, if I take, for example, Conte, the way he played with Juve, he used the triangle system. Every player who had the ball had two options to his left and to his right. And to pass the ball, and they use the dead space. And that's how you progress <clears throat> with the ball and take the other team out of position. And if you spot an opportunity of someone running into the area, use it. But most of the time, I see guys with no option but to pass it back and start over. Yeah, And that's a system problem. That's a systematic problem, which, like you said, I don't get why Allegri and his coaching staff don't notice that. And you know, scream at players from the bench, get into that position, get to the position where no one is standing. It's weird to me, it's a system problem that should be addressed a long time ago, actually.
2: Yeah, and this is why I say, like, I understand these guys are playing poorly, like when you're picking Quadrado, you're picking McKinney, whatnot, but we're not doing them any favors whatsoever. And I fail to believe that if you told McKenny, hey, I need you in this spot to be this option, that he would still just run away and bomb up the field. I failed to believe that. Um, Lou, your thoughts on this system
0: thing? Yeah, I think, well, Omar, you touched on a really good point. In our 10-year run, our nine-year run where we won the Scudetto and we had Conte starting in Allegra after that, right? You see two different uh, characteristics of coaches, right? Conte is kind of your, hey, you know, we're operating in triangles. You know, every player has a duty. When we're taking the ball forward, you know, the the uh, the left and right side midfielder making runs into the box, right? They're supporting your strikers. You know, the, your guy in the middle is distributing this. The flanks are doing this. So, yeah, it, it's very down to a T. Allegri is that type of manager, um, maybe a little bit like Carlo Ancelotti, where it's like you give him an 80% completed squad, and he kind of tinkers with it a little bit. He goes, hey, guys, this is the game plan. We're going to do this. You execute it, right? And the players go out and do that. The problem with this team is we don't have experienced players like we did in the past that could, you know, you could be like, hey, this is the game plan, go and do this. And they will understand it and execute it. We have, I don't want to say a lack of intelligent, but we just have younger, more inexperienced players that maybe lack that higher IQ that need a little bit more of that Conte, you know, where McKinney's example probably needs a little bit more direction, which is, hey, You know, when we're taking, we're we're counterattacking. Don't blaze all the way up. Kind of hold up a little bit. Be that link between the strikers and the flanks. You know, and the the mid, the deeper midfielders like Rabiot and Locatelli. You know, I think that they need that kind of stricter discipline. Which is, hey, when I have the ball, I'm doing this. Or when we're defending, we're doing this. Right? When we counterattack, you need to make these runs. And I know there will be some people that go, well, players should know how to do that. You're right, but. There also is kind of a, a a lesson here. There's a curve, which is, hey, you know, I've never operated in this system or I'm new to this club. You know, how do I integrate? How do I adapt? And I think that there's just not that kind of specific, hey, you know, when I have the ball, you need to be doing this, or these are the patterns of play we need You know, down to a tee. I just think that – and I don't even think it's the fact that Max is a bad coach. I just think that that's just not what he – is good at doing. that's never kind of been his characteristic. And I think that that's where the fault and kind of the disconnect is a little bit here. And I think that's also why the system looks the way it is. It's just that they need kind of that more reinforcement, which is, hey, this is how the system works. This is how it operates. You know, how do we execute in certain phases of the game? If that makes sense, I know it's
1: a lot, but. Yeah, I, I wanna add that maybe you know, for all his faults, Kadira was a very smart guy. And he came in, you know, as a finished product. He was with Real Madrid and with uh, Germany. And he had high IQ. And although he wasn't quick or fast or a good dribbler or anything, he always find himself inside dead space with no one around him, inside the area, no one around him. And that's high football IQ. Maybe that's something you can teach and just you're born with it. Pjanic also was good for that role. Because he came from Roma and he did the exact same thing. But now you have to teach these guys. These are young fellows who haven't played in that system. And you need to guide them, which I don't think Max does at this moment. He just expects them to understand how to play. I think like a really good example that you just kind of mentioned, Omar, is
0: that Kadira naturally, because of his age and his experience, naturally understood when you're playing as a six, right? Because he had done it for Germany at the World Cup you know, in the buildup to that, you have to make those trailing runs in the box. Like you are, you know, another line of the attack that those runs in between the winger and the striker in between, you know, the wing back and the striker. Like he kind of just naturally understood that. Whereas maybe Rabiot until this season didn't naturally understand that, you know, I need to make that run. And we saw in the Maccabre game, he made that run, you know, which is that kind of run into the box to get the ball to have a shot on target. I think McKinney like needs to understand that. Like, I think that he, he almost needs, like, a coach to be like, hey, you need to naturally do this. Like, you need to – when when that comes, like, there's just – there's specific things that I think a coach needs to be like, hey, when the ball's doing this, you need to show for that. I don't think McKinney has that yet. And I think he's only, like, 23, 24. You know, 24. 24. That's kind of, like, a development thing that, you know, maybe, like, Pirlo might have did a little bit more because he was used to young players. He's brought them to be with youth. That maybe Allegri, because he's – kind of a guy that you hand experienced players to doesn't know how to do that or it never really has done that you know know, that disconnect is
2: yeah i i I don't know i just i look at it and again this isn't something that's it's not even uh necessarily a mckinney problem because it happens regardless of who we have in there positionally this team is just and they've been doing this from the get-go. And I even – I called it when we were in L.A. watching that session. I said, look what they're doing with their mids. And the interesting thing is, Juve trains on a shortened pitch. Uh, they were anyways the whole time they were in L.A. And their whole game plan, when you would watch them work on their buildup, because that's all they did for the session I took in at least, was um, Locatelli dropping back. He's being the regisa, But because you're in a shortened field, his mitzalas, they – quickly move forward and then it's worked at the back between the defenders the fullbacks and locatelli and then the second they have it they try to break the lines and find one of those guys what we're seeing now is the same as what they were doing all throughout the season the problem is when you're working on that on a shortened pitch and then you go to a full pitch that's why mckinney's Bombing way the hell out there. And when we saw Zakaria in there before he took off, he was doing the same thing. Rabio was doing the same thing. I think yesterday, I think they were trying to go m- build more of that base with Rabio Locatelli and give McKenny that freedom, and whatnot, but he's not that guy either. So yeah. for me, for me, simplify it. Use one of your offensive-minded midfielders like your Miretti, like your Fagioli, and play them ahead of two base midfielders. Still make a three-man midfield and don't start them from the right side. Play them dead in the friggin' center so that all they have to do is run in a straight line up and back and then the only time they have to move is to be an option for either your left or your right. Your base midfielders will be able to create triangles from your fullbacks to your center backs to everybody. It will connect everybody and give them options. And it's shocking to me that we haven't tried that for all that we've tried with Max, that he hasn't just been like, I'm going to play a central attacking mid. I'm going to line him up in the middle. I'm going to have two pivots. Rabio, Locatelli, Paredes. Locatelli. Locatelli is naturally a two-man pivot midfielder. You have the guys now to actually accomplish that, and you also have the guys that can be those attacking mids in Miretti, Fagioli. Once Pogba returns, he could
0: probably do that. To be honest, um, I actually prefer him to do that. I was going to say, I, I think, and I don't know this guy. I don't like saying this, but I do think that like. In inception, that's when he goes, like, oh, I'm waiting for a pug but I think Pug naturally understands that. Where even if he's lined up in a three, Pug naturally understands, hey, I'm supposed to be that link between the strikers and the pivot. Like, I think that Max has always been kind of that like hybrid coach, right? It's a three-five-two, but it's not a three-five-two fully. It it changes as the you go, things like that. You know, it, it, I think that you know. Pogba like would naturally be able to do that, but I think someone like McKinney, and this is not a knock on him as a player. I just think he needs that kind of that more guidance to be like, hey, you know, in this role, yes, it's a three-five-two, it's a flat three-man midfield, but I expect you to be more involved in the attack, you know. But you you need to you need to understand the patterns and the formations and what you specifically do. I think that like Locatelli and even Rabiot, God forbid, you know, grasp that a little bit, but you know. <laughs> Um, McKinney just Never doesn't he needs a little bit more guidance you know I think Paredes yeah. understands it a little bit but you know mcKinney he just isn't that player yet he there are certain players that need instruction like al you and I talked in the chat like Jacarini right was not a world beating player but he understood his instructions he understood his jobs and like what to do right I just think that McKinney kind of needs that instruction and that you know reassurance like hey this is what you do yeah. in this case of the game and you' play a yeah.
1: lot better. You know, yeah, and, and I want easy. and I want What's to add that go ahead, Omar. Sorry. Yeah, and I wanna add I think there's also responsibility for that role in Quadrado. I don't think Quadrado aids those guys who are playing the right-hand midfield. Like if I look back at how players perform in three-five-two system, uh, in contour or even in other teams, uh, the the understanding between Lichsteiner and Vidal on the right was phenomenal. They knew exactly when to occupy space, when to run forward, who does what, and what does the other guy do. And Quadrado is kind of, is not a quick thinker, and is always in his own mind. Like, his eyes are either on the ball or forward where he intends to run. It's only when he gets stuck that he looks for other options. So I don't think he's a good partner for uh, the guy who plays basically next to him most of the time, because they should cover for each other. Maybe with a different right winger, it would look a bit different. Yeah. An RWB. Hopefully it's, a, it's
2: interesting. And we could dissect this thing for hours. I just, uh, I can't help but uh, personally feel that uh, there are a number of guys that I think systematically we could be helping. Um, and when we get to uh, really rake and players over the coals, I stop and look big picture. And when I see positional nightmares, like we had for sections of yesterday, I just can't help to put it to a bigger, bigger uh, picture. And I give them a little bit of flack, basically. Um, But there's still moments, regardless of that, where these players need to do better and whatnot. So they are still having individual failures. Don't get me wrong. And Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is not saying we need to start McKinney. At all costs right now, because that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is part of his failures. I do see as the, uh, to be honest, the coach failing certain players. Furthermore, and not helping them. I
0: think we're all like kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, a little bit differently. Like it's not, and like what I was saying about the system stuff. I'm not defending Max's failures because his failures are obvious. I think I'm trying to highlight them a little bit. Yeah, you, know, you use Keane as an example in this in this game, right? I think, you know, in that little spurt we had after the international break, one thing was very apparent to me that Vlaovic looks really good, kind of like, you know, God forbid I mentioned his name because the, the Dybala fans are going to be in the comments, but kind of off of a number 10, right? De Maria and him had a good partnership. So he got who's the next most dynamic striker we have unfortunately that is keen and i thought lavish's game you know the chances he created worked a little bit better because he had kind of that deeper center forward type player next to him
2: you yeah. know so
0: I thought from that perspective there was like a little bit of positive to take away which is like hey we figured out a little bit of the lavish thing but you know that midfield that is still missing and you know, only time will tell if that can be fixed or not. Uh, I don't really have high hopes for that, you know, because based on what we've seen the last year and a half. But, you know, I mean, you never know. It is a free re
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think our main problem right now is quick thinkers. Like, our guys don't act fast enough. They need to look to all directions before they make a pass. And I see that from all across the pitch. It's not a specific player, just speed of, you know, passing and stuff and quick thinking and i might add a bit of trivia i i don't remember if it's guardiola or some other manager but there's some manager out there who practices with the team on quick thinking and how does he do that he gives each player like he plays with 11 players and each one gets a number and then he screams out the names of blue, of two players and according to their number you have to pass to the player that their numbers sum up to like, let's say McKenny is number two and Locatelli is number five. Then he screams seven. You have to pass it to number seven. He doesn't say the number, but it's not, a tr- it's not a work about passing. It's a work on quick thinking, calculate for a second and pass it to the right guy. And that's how he made them think faster and act faster. Yeah. There's tons of methods out there, but I found that one very interesting. And I see you were struggling with the same thing. I, yeah. I know we probably have to move topics, but real quick to piggyback off your point, Omar,
0: like kind of what we were saying before, I think that's uh, to the coaching element of this, you know, maybe Allegra kind of naturally expects them to be able to quick think, which is, Hey, when I get the ball, I'm releasing this player. Right. But, you know, these players might not have that ability. They may need like that stricter coach to be like, Hey, when you get the ball here, you're putting this flank in, or you're looking for this pass. To kind of get their mind thinking a little bit ahead of the game right it's like when i get the ball what are my first two options like you're thinking two three steps ahead they might need that stricter discipline and yeah i don't know if max has that gear or not uh, up until now it doesn't seem like it maybe he does you know um he could still surprise us but i think that's where the disconnect is i really do
2: yeah and uh yeah, that's uh, great stuff to finish up on that uh, topic and whatnot. And yeah, I think that's essentially what I'm kind of saying is I just I don't think that that's, uh, that's there for these guys. And I think a lot of it is freewheeling, in, uh, especially on the ball uh, once we build up out of our end. And yeah, it's uh, anybody's guess if it's going to get better now. 1-0 victory, Derby de la Mola. Change. How much do we expect to change? How long will the change last? What do we think we can do Um, for me? Nothing's really changed as far as my opinion on everything. This is one game. Um, The unity and stuff was highlighted. The attitude and effort was there, but one game at a time is what I'm down to this season. Okay. There are a lot that I've said, I've thrown in the towel. said, that's it. It's done. I've heard it all. I'm not supporting this team anymore. What look, I'm down to one game at a time. It's up to. I even called a draw yesterday. Said one-one draw. Juve prove prove me wrong. Prove to me that I'm wrong. Uh, Omar called the one-one draw. No knees called Uh, two-one victory for Juve. He was closest. That That hurts me. Hurts me. He was closest on the right prediction. One goal victory. Listen, um, it's up to the guys. It's up to the guys to prove us. And Max has actually said that three weeks ago when he said, "Look, it's up to us." to reinstill this uh, faith from the fans and everything and get that support out of them uh with the performances but again I think max has shortcomings there that uh apparently we are all seeing and it's it's getting to the players in a more aggressive fashion I think than is necessary because uh again there's a lot of examples of we can go all over the place but it's There's work to be done. Let's put it that way. This was great in terms of effort, work rate. Omar hit it. No drop-off or whatnot, really. Um, I thought Max was really risking things with no changes, um, no substitutes and whatnot. But what I want to talk about is, does anything change as far as your opinion goes and Max, and should we still be looking at change? Say we go on a run. Say, you know, all of a sudden we're, you know, ripping things up or whatnot and things start to look right does your opinion of max change can he change your opinion of him and moving forward if i think we were all at the point where you start with the coach but can it be changed as of right now
1: my opinion no i i don't think there is a way back like he needs and we got the most favorable schedule i i can never remember the schedule is still very good for us, uh, but I don't know. It's It's been that way since Max's final season where we saw the same type of play, which is grinding out wins. I don't expect Juve to win every game, you know, like 6-0, but I want to see a convincing performance. And I don't think that's what's on Max's mind anymore. Like, he likes grinding out the wins and the players he has, his system doesn't guarantee that anymore so we can't bank on that if he's not going to change he's a stubborn coach like all italian managers just their type of uh, managing style so i i don't see any way he changes my mind yeah until the end of the season
2: um And uh, this was actually uh, Nader's uh, store in the barn. I want to remind everybody, I've seen there's a couple others. Get your store in the barn the questions in right now. Okay, we're going to start tackling some of these. Um, Lou, is Max, uh, can he redeem himself?
0: Uh, Bigger picture, no. I think for like maybe the season, like if they get some results up to the World Cup, you know, maybe that earns him a little bit of leeway to the end of the year. But to me, this team is it's not going to win anything. And I think once that happens after year two, uh, there'll be no coming back from that. So whether that's right or wrong, I think that, you know, I think the world cup is that first judge that they put a bunch of good performances in. Maybe he survives that. Maybe he earns that second half, but I think once the summer comes, I, I think it'll be pretty clear that it's not that uh, unless something drastic happens and we surge to the title race and finish in second. I you know but i yeah. I, don't, I don't foresee that happening so this is
2: um, yeah for me no and a part of it is again what i saw yesterday and that's for me one of the things uh not really being talked about a lot but max max hasn't changed whatsoever he hasn't changed whatsoever and yesterday his lack of uh willingness to play miretti or get Fajoli in there even gatti uh you know like he's the same old max he doesn't believe in younger players and juve wants to put something together where we start bringing in more of those guys and You know, holding capital value, uh, stop spending on older guys with high salaries and stuff, like adopt a Milan kind of plan. How am I supposed to believe that that team wants to do that with Max at the helm? How am I supposed to believe that? This guy is the same guy. He will only and always trust experience. And when we were going through that difficult period, there was a phase through this season where Miretti was our only bright spot. He was our only bright spot. And even if it's a Derby della Mola, even if you're coming off the loss to Maccabi and whatnot, you've still gone with McKinney in there because for whatever reason you believe in him, but he's given us absolutely nothing this year. He's given us absolutely nothing this year. So Max hasn't changed. So for me, I don't think he can redeem himself, and he kind of proved it to me yesterday by not being able to – he would rather risk it in the way the match was going and seeing that his guys are starting to lose their legs and Torino was turning it on, he would rather risk it than put on the fresh legs, but they're younger. For me, that's wrong. That's wrong, and I'm not into that.
1: Yeah, And I I would like to add that if there's anything that changed a lot from when I was a fan, a younger fan, and these days the people make assumptions very quickly and very fast to judge a player. Rabio had two good games, and suddenly, yeah, let's talk about contract renewal, and then he had one bad game, and no, we're not talking about it. (laughs) And I'm kind of trying to hang on to what was in the past, which is, no, prove it. Yeah. on the course of at least one season two season like not every good game justifies high praises i praise a player for doing that consistently the name of the game is consistency for every football player no matter where he is no matter who he plays for consistency gets you titles gets you to bigger clubs bigger contract everything so max has done wonderful to take any and you know speck of belief i had in me that he can do it in the past year and couple of months and i don't know he had to do something really tremendous to turn that around until the end of the season i won't judge him by two three good games i won't change my mind yeah, yeah. I, I
0: agree i think it's just it's a matter of like when it's if yeah. he you know could survive the world cup then it's the end of the year if he can't you know that's the world cup but it it's a matter of when
2: the next one up is from Dells. How far do you think Max can realistically take this team? Do you believe another coach could take the same players further, if not why? Realistically, I mean, I think if we're realistically speaking, we need so much to happen for Champions League that it's done. Yeah. Um, I think if we're being realistic, uh, we would need a lot to happen. And again, it's one game at a time. Um, but based on even yesterday's performance, whatnot, not, I don't think we can even pull the two victories we need off. If I'm being honest, because uh, there's still a lot of shortcomings. I mean, Benfica sure, PSG. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure there. Right. But again, we play the games for a reason. So realistically, how far can you take this team right now? It's one game after the retiro. And I don't even believe in the retreat at all. If anything might have happened, maybe the players came together. But I still have doubts that the coach and the team are one. Um, I still have my doubts there. Obviously, we're getting rumors about Banucci and him and Allegri having a rift. Obviously, Banucci not starting in uh, the Derby della Mola there yesterday. And the rumors surfacing i haven't seen it from any sources that are credible and also uh right now when uh juve's hot like this everybody wants to get those clicks and everybody wants to get in on it so i don't put much to that whole Benucci thing but you could believe it couldn't you you could believe it so the thing is i'm not sold that uh there's still all one players and coach. I think the players are, uh, but I don't think Max has all the guys fully on board. Do I believe another coach could take these players further? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. Um, because I think there are coaches out there that have styles that they believe in, and they get their players to believe in it. And I think we have far too many underperforming to say it's the players. That's just me. And that's my answer to these. You guys go ahead. Uh, Lou, why don't you start this one?
0: Uh, I think the farthest this team can go, at least this year, is uh, maybe the top four and maybe the Copa Italia. I I think that's that's about it. Um, (sighs) As far as like another coach, I think that if you get the right manager, the right kind of profile of a manager with, you know, kind of those characteristics we were talking about, I think, you know, like a, I was just for example, it doesn't have to be these guys, but like a Conte or Klopp, someone specifically with a specific system and players that fit those systems, I think would help this team a lot. I don't think that necessarily means it would come out and win the league, but I think it'd be more competitive than it has been.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Omar, your thoughts on uh, those questions? I
1: I hate making assumptions when our fate is not up to us. So as far as the Champions League go, no matter if we win those two games, we still need Maccabi to beat either one of those teams. And when we depend on other teams and their results, then I don't get my hopes up. I like it when we have like you need to win those three games, and you're in. That's the situation I like and like making predictions about. As far as the, as the team can go, I don't know. Copa, we have either Monza or uh, Udinese, which are playing like prime Barca at the moment. And Monza, we already lost to them once. Uh, so maybe we can sneak into the semifinals, but I don't see us moving past it. I don't think we're at the level of uh, Milan, Inter and Napoli. As far as the league goes, there's still a lot of time and top four is not out of reach by any means. I think we can do it. Scudetto, hard for me to believe, but I would love it to be proven wrong and you know, shut me up.
2: Yeah, and that's where I've gone to. One game at a time, prove me wrong. Jeremiah saying he still believes. Believes we can qualify for round of 16. Top four in Serie A and semifinals of Copa. Do you guys still believe? I believe we can get to uh, the semifinals of the Copa. Uh, from there, be very difficult. Uh, Omar mentioned, uh, you know, the current run of form. And again, one game at a time, I need this team to change my mind, right? Um, top four, I think Juve can get to top four for sure. Um, the Champions League, like I said, we need a lot to happen. Do I still believe? Well, hey. Dreaming is free and uh, if without belief, there's nothing so yeah, let's uh, let's get behind uh, the team and see what they can do right. But it's up to them to uh, change their mind. Hey, my predictions are gonna to be changed and uh, it's gonna be up to them to uh, prove it to me each and every game. Uh, we kind of answered uh, you know where we think realistically we can get to um, with everything going on right now. Listen, start from there. We highlighted the key things, which was there was a lot of folk, uh, positives in terms of the attitude, the work rate, the effort and whatnot. I think Max needs to dial it up a little bit more um, as well. The changes thing, that really for me was crazy. There was a point where I was just shouting like you see changes, countless by Torino, uh, Juric there, and you can see our guys visibly tired and we're just waiting and waiting. And I'm like, Max, man, you've got to do something like you've got to help. The midfield was just dragging their asses and McKenney, especially, and quadrado's wings just getting blown up. And that's McKenney's uh, side as well. And I'm like, get some fresh legs in there. So, you know, I think Max has to start really dialing things in. I I don't know. He just, we keep talking about this, but the things that he always used to get right and were his strengths haven't kind of been there since he's been back. I think we can all kind of agree on that. Yeah. He's got to dial it up, but uh, it's nice to see the players United embracing one another, get the victory. Let's move on and see what happens. Okay. Got Empoli. We're starting to get some guys, uh, healthy and whatnot. So uh, let's start from there. Guys, any last thoughts before we sign off or maybe something we didn't get to that you want to tackle? Uh, yeah, I'll, go I'll, just add,
1: I'll just add that there's still no uh, jury out on Bremer's injury. I saw one report from La Republica, which is super incredible. So I won't go with that. His exams are tomorrow and then we'll know better. But they said he's a doubt for the Benfica match. Yeah, wait the
2: evaluation is going to take place tomorrow, so we wait and see on uh, that front. There, um, I've heard mixed. I've heard they got him out in time; they feel positive, and then I've heard that uh, mm. it's not looking good right now. So we just got to wait on that. Uh, the interesting one is Di Maria too. That apparently, it, after the World Cup, if Things aren't really smooth or whatnot. They And there's no Champions League. He might head to Argentina sooner and take off in January. Not Not credible sources. Two or three sources. None of them credible. Uh, But, again, who really knows anymore? Um, Who really knows anymore? Some wild stuff coming out over the past couple days, again, we just lay it out. You take everything, even when it is from the credible sources with the grain of salt. But those are a couple of the things rolling around. We talked about the Bonucci one. That's the latest, the Di Maria one. That's uh, odd. We got the injury statuses covered. And then of course uh, we got to wait for Bremer
0: Lou. real quick. I think for the news this week, uh, it will be big to fall. Uh, Chiesa's storyline this week. He may get a friendly at some point this week. It's been kind of, nobody really knows that's happening, but In the lieu of Empley, that will be a big one to follow the news. And we could get a Pogba training with the group this week. So, you know, guys, follow the news. Um, If you feel inclined, hit the notifications button on Twitter so you don't miss any of them. Um, And Omar and I will do our best to uh, tackle them.
2: Absolutely. And you guys got to make sure you're subscribed on uh, or following on Twitter as well. Um, Again, all subscribers. You guys know what's coming, right? Unveiled at the watch along tomorrow. This is the next one. Okay. Absolute fire. (laughs) Had to put the man on the back. So it pays to subscribe and everybody, hey, share the content too. Let's keep uh, growing the AJC army. The table. I'm going to leave you with the table. Without Napoli, Milan, and Roma playing their 10th matches yet, um, Juventus sit in eighth in the table with 16 points. Uh, Just ahead of them is uh, Inter at 18, Roma 6 at 19, AC in 5th with 20. Obviously, Milan and Roma have games to play. Lazio, Udinese at 21. So, again, it was a big one yesterday. We've got uh, the next one, Empoli, which will be on the 21st, I believe. Um, Don't hold me to that. 21st. 21st, Juve, Empoli. I'll be there. We'll do a match day live for there. Leading up to that, I'll have all your daily update videos here on YouTube. Omar, Lou, thanks again. Everybody in the live, great, great stuff. All right, and we'll talk to you all soon. As always, fino alla fine, Forza Juve. Enjoy the rest of your weekends, and I'll see you tomorrow morning for the daily update video. Ciao tutti.